coming up today on Abounding Grace. The atmosphere for your spiritual growth is always the grace of God. I have found over the years that you just can't have too much grace flowing through your house <laughs> or through your life and through your friendships and through your church. You just can't have too much grace flowing around you. The gospel is the good news of God's grace, his willingness to save us. I've seen this, that when you begin to really understand that you're saved by grace, that you live by grace, that, that you serve by grace, that you love by grace, that you live by grace, like grace isn't just a little part of your life, believer. It is your life. This is amazing grace. The first century church of Corinth certainly had its fair share of problems. Lawsuits, division, fighting, immorality, and mistakes were occurring left and right. In light of all of this, it's interesting to note Paul's approach to them as he introduces 1 Corinthians. He was thankful, hopeful, and focused on who they were in Christ as well as God's grace. Today on Abounding Grace, we visit 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with the first eight verses. So, verse one, chapter one, let's see how far we can get through as we study this book together. I just, I, don't, I think the only thing, the only thing that's, that's holding us back in sharing the gospel is our fear of man. Just worried about what people are going to think or like it really matters. What does God think? Verse one, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God in Sosthenes, our brother. We'll just stop right there. Paul, we know who wrote it. When you read a letter in the, when you read a letter in the ancient times, you knew exactly right at the beginning. You didn't have to go to the end. The salutations were at the beginning. And this is from Paul. That's the authority. He's an apostle. You can circle the word apostle and write next to it, messenger. Or one, a person that's sent. That's what it means. The Greek word is apostolos, and it means a messenger or someone that's sent. Originally, it referred to a representative that a king sent out for him, a messenger. A king would send out a messenger, he would be an apostolos. He'd go out with a message from the king. It has a general sense definition. It has a, it has a generic broad sense. It describes any of us. We all have that apostolos in our life. We're all sent out. The Bible calls us all ambassadors. So in a very general sense, you could all say we are apostles. We're all sent out from that definition. But it also has a very strict definition, and it refers to 13 people in a very strict way. Apostles or followers. You have the original 12 apostles with Judas, minus Judas. You insert Paul the apostle, and you have a very strict group of people that there were very strict requirements. For instance, the qualifications for an apostle with a capital A, I guess you could call it that way, a capital A apostle, was number one, they had to see the risen Christ personally. Number two, they had to have with their lives authenticating signs, including miracles, etc., and that refers to those original apostles. So for the sake of those of you that might watch Christian TV or listen to various radio broadcasts here in Denver, 
or around the country for that matter as the Bible study gets broadcast on the radio in various states. For those of you that are familiar with pastors or men or women on TV today that claim some kind of apostolic authority, it's not true. They can't claim that. I mean, if they're just saying, hey, I'm an apostle so-and-so because I've been sent out by God, that's different than somehow claiming I am an apostle, you must listen to me because I have the same authority that Paul did. Nope. You can reject that because you'll hear people on the radio. You'll hear them claim. You'll see it up on banners of churches. Apostle so-and-so will be here. If they meant it in a general sense, I have no problem with that. But they don't. They take upon that title so that they can have more authority over people and somehow separate themselves from just being normal. The Bible speaks, and you can just jot it down. I'll read it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Paul describes a group of people as false apostles. And so be careful when people start to assert their authority with titles, especially titles that God hasn't given to them. Don't quit, don't, let's not skip through verse 1 too quickly because I want you to notice a guy by the name of Sosthenes there at the end of verse 1, Sosthenes. We have the ministry surrounding Paul the Apostle in Corinth in Acts chapter 18, so you might want to read that maybe tonight before you go to bed to get some context because we're introduced to Sosthenes in Acts chapter 18. In chapter 18 of Acts, we learn that Sosthenes was a bitter enemy of the gospel of Paul personally. But now, in verse 1, he's a brother. Bitter enemy, brother. Because this former enemy of the gospel is now Paul's close co-laborer for the gospel, that should give us great hope. He was once bitter enemy, now he's a brother in the Lord. He was once trying to destroy the gospel, just like Paul saw the Tarsa was. Now he's serving alongside of Paul. And that's God's heart, to take those that are bitterly against the gospel and turn them around. That's what he wants to do. It was Sosthenes that led the protest against Paul. It was Sosthenes that fought the hardest against the gospel. It was Sosthenes that was saved and recruited into the ministry. I just want to throw something out for you just so you can tuck it away as you're sharing the gospel. This is so neat. I've seen it to be true myself. It's often those that are fighting the hardest that are getting convicted the deepest. <laughs> it's the ones that just, and there's spit coming out, and you're like, oh, dude, I'm just, you know what? There's a lot of conviction going on in that heart of theirs, and they can't take it anymore. The Spirit of God's working deep inside of them. Strong resistance is a great sign that God is getting through. It's not easy to receive that resistance, I know, but someone who is fighting usually is someone who's very, very close. Because Sosthenes, bitter enemy, becomes a brother in the Lord. Verse 2, he writes, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, Jesus called to be saints. And so we're all saints in the Lord. A believer is a saint. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, because there's unity in the body. You can go anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, and even 
even with language barriers and cultural barriers, when you meet someone that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an immediate connection and fellowship that transcends vocabulary. It's spiritual. And you can fellowship with them. You can encourage them. You can love Jesus together. You can worship. I mean, it's, 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 he says to everyone that calls on the name of the Jesus Christ, our Lord, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find every time Paul writes a letter, grace and peace. They're twins of his. That grace, it's that Greek, the Greek greeting of the day. And peace, that Hebrew greeting of the day, shalom. Jesus brings grace and peace. That's the order. He brings grace into your life and then gives you a peace that passes all understanding. Verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything. It was a very spiritually rich church. By him, you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. This was a cool church. They had every gift that was needed. All the sign gifts, all the speaking gifts, all the spiritual gifts, and they were eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were waiting. Just as we've been studying, they were waiting for the coming of the Lord. That's the first century church, the church in Corinth, the very first believers. What were they doing? Waiting. For the coming of the Lord. It was on their hearts. It was on their minds. They'd wake up and they were waiting for the Lord. And the people in Corinth were changed forever by the grace of God. They were enriched. They were extremely spiritually wealthy. And I just want you to notice that sometimes those that exercise their spiritual gifts seem to give off this vibe that because they're gifted in a certain area that, well, in that gifting, there is some higher spirituality in their lives. Well, I'm gifted here, and I've been blessed here, and what about your gifts? But we learn here that as the spiritual gifts flow through a man or a woman, a family, a church, doesn't necessarily mean that you're mature or spiritual. Gifts are given because of God's grace. You exercise a gift unto the Lord, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily mature or spiritually strong. It just means the grace of God is upon you. And God wants to use you. Sometimes when a person demonstrates, you know, maybe a gift of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a word of prophecy, our tendency is to think, wow, that guy's spiritual. He's really close to the Lord. He may or may not be. She may or may not be. But I know for sure that the gifts of God aren't due to our high level of spirituality, but are just given because of the grace of God. Because he wants to reach people that are near you and close to you. And I love verse 8. It's a great place to end. It's a promise. And I know this is just a standard greeting. It's sort of like your opening. When you open a letter, Dear Ed, hope you're doing well. Things are great here. It's going to snow tomorrow. I can't stand the snow. I wish it would be sunny. Where are all the palm trees? Just a basic introduction. (laughs) We're talking about getting the shovels out today. I do not want to get the shovels out. But it's just a standard greeting. You know how you write? You always say, how you doing? Things are great here. Well, it's just a standard greeting. But just because it's standard doesn't mean it's not powerful. And Paul, in his standard greeting, talks about how blessed they are, how the grace of God's flowing. And then he says, I just want you guys to know that God's going to confirm you to the end. I know things are tough right now. 
I know that you're not exercising the gifts. I know that there's sin in the camp. I know that a lot, but God's going to take care of you. He's going to confirm you. Everything's going to be okay. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Would you please? It's to the right. This is a church in the midst of serious, challenging, difficult times, Corinth. They're tossing to and fro. There's a lot of confusion. And Paul says, God's going to snuff you out, you knuckleheads in Corinth, right? Sometimes we expect that. You know, we're going through a tough time. You just expect heaven. God said, I ought to snuff you out. That's not what he, that's not his heart towards you. God doesn't want to snuff you out. (laughs) He doesn't want to erase you from the planet. He wants to use you. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to give you clarity. You're confused right now. He wants to give you clarity. You're tossed to and fro. He wants to give you stability. You're unsure of what to do. He wants to give you direction. You're not quite understanding why God would allow this. He wants to comfort you. Your body going sideways, aches and pains. God wants to heal you. He doesn't want to snuff you out, even if you feel like it. And you might even cry out sometimes, you know, Lord, just snuff me out. And you got to hear heaven. I don't want to snuff you out. I might slap you upside the head a couple of I'm not snuffing you out, you know. I want to get your attention. I want you to live for me. I want you to return to your first love. God is on for us. He's not against us. That's what's happening in Corinth. He's not, he doesn't want to wipe the church out in Corinth. Corinth needed the church. <laughs> Corinth needed that body of believers. And so notice this, verse 10, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Did you get there with me? He's winding down his letter, Peter, and if anyone would understand the grace of God, Peter would understand it. He says, but may the great God of all grace, who called us in, by his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen, and settle you. If you like to write in your Bibles, just, write those, just circle those words. This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to perfect you. He wants to finish what he started. He will. He wants to establish you. He wants you to have that firm footing. He wants to strengthen you. So the next time something comes up, you're stronger. And he wants to settle you. And it's to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's to him be the glory. It's to him that God, he pours out his Holy Spirit in us. In verse 10, do you notice he's the God of what? What does your Bible say? The God of all grace. It doesn't say the God of all wrath or the God of all judgment, although we know that the character of God involves wrath and judgment. But remember, Peter's writing to believers here. So when he writes to believers, he says, I want to remind you guys, he's the God of all grace, charis, unconditional, unmerited love toward you that as he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, now how much more by the blood of Jesus Christ will we experience that love? And you know, you just can't strand strong. You can't be established when you're worried about whether you're going to lose your salvation or not when you're worried about whether God loves you or not, especially during difficult times. We've been taught somewhere along the way that when things are going well, it's almost like God is saying, good little boy, good little girl. 
And when things aren't going well, it's almost like we think, well, God's saying, bad little boy, bad little girl. I'm going to teach you a lesson. But that's not the God of all grace. The God of all grace wants to perfect you and strengthen you and establish you and settle you. That's the work of the Spirit in you. That's his desire. If we will cooperate with him and abide in Jesus, that's the work that he's doing among us. That's the work that he wants to do among us. That's how he wants to pour his life into us. And so when you're strong in the grace of God, you just have to know that you know that he's for you and not against you. Yeah, you're going to suffer for a while. You're going to face some things. Things aren't going to be so clear. It's not going to be so easy. But that doesn't change the character of God. He is who he said he is. And he's not seen to us as believers as the God of all wrath. He's the God of all grace who called us, it says. And remember this, the atmosphere for your spiritual growth is always the grace of God. I have found over the years that you just can't have too much grace flowing through your house <laughs> or through your life and through your friendships and through your church. You just can't have too much grace flowing around you. The gospel is the good news of God's grace, his willingness to save us. And I've, under, I've, I've seen this, that when you begin to really understand that you're saved by grace, that you live by grace, that, that you serve by grace, that you love by grace, that you live by grace, like, like grace isn't just a little part of your life. Where you got, well, up on the shelf, I've got the wrath of God today, and I've got the judgment of God today, and well, I think I'll take off a little bit of grace. Grace isn't just a little part of your life, believer. It is your life. There isn't one part of your spiritual life, one part of your life at anywhere that isn't touched or established by the grace of God. Not one. You stand by the grace of God. You live by the grace of God. You serve by the grace of God. You, everything about your you are by the grace of God. You exist. I exist by the grace of God. And when you start to begin and to understand that and believe it and live under the banner of grace, you really start to grow and flourish. You're not fearful. You're not, you're not afraid. Your problem in your life, if you're facing difficulty right now, let me just let you off the hook biblically. Your problem is not a works problem. You know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is that you start to assess your life and you go, you know, Ed, if I just pray more, uh, that, that'll do it. If I just pray more. Praying more is really good for you, but that's not your problem. Well, you know, Ed, I'll start serving in 50 different ministries and I'll just work hard for the Lord. You know what? Serving is not your problem, although it would be good to see more of you step up and serve and use your gifts. It's not your problem. It's not a works problem. Because Jesus has already completed the work. What are you going to add? to the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's finished. Isn't that what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. So your problem isn't a works problem because you can work and work and work and work and never experience the love and the grace of God. And you can do a lot of things for Jesus and you can do a lot of things surrounding Jesus and you can do a lot of things for your church and still not be doing those things that the Holy Spirit would want to be doing through you. It's not a works problem. The problem in Corinth wasn't a works problem. It was a grace issue. To learn and abide in the grace of Jesus. As I see and I know and I understand and I nourish myself on the grace of God, I begin to grow, I begin to love, I begin to serve, not out of a pressure, not out of an obligation, but because I love him. 
And I think through, you know, God, you're so good to me. You've always been so good to me. I mean, even as you rehearse your testimony, like I was sharing with you today, I shared my testimony. I was just thinking, I would start sharing things, and I'm listening to myself, and I'm going, man, I was messed up. But it could have been worse. Man, I was, I was like right there, and I'm thinking, well, it could have been a lot worse. Even when I was rebelling, God put some hedges around me and protected me. Grace was in my life before I was even saved. And that is, my friends, the bedrock of getting your life back on track with the things of God. Just to come back to grace and mercy and love and joy and peace. It's going to be a tough letter, the First Corinthians. A lot of correction, but it's correction in love. Paul's not mad at them. I think that if there was any anger on Paul's part, it's at the enemy for messing a church up so bad. And he says, you know what? Not all is lost. It's not going to be, you guys get your eyes back on Jesus, it'll be cleared up. You're going to be okay, but I just want you to know that these are the things I've heard. These are the things that aren't good. Let's get back on track. And so look for, actively look for, as you study through 1 Corinthians, the grace of God. You'll find it on every page. Just the same way if you do it in your life. Look for the grace of God. You'll find it on every page of your life. The goodness and the grace of Jesus is so powerful. It certainly is. What a great reminder about God's marvelous grace as we begin this new series in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. Simply go online to hear it again at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. If you haven't already downloaded the free Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps, simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. This is a great way to take in a steady dose of God's Word. Pastor Ed, as you've been emphasizing God's grace today, I think it's fitting to ask, how have you seen the grace of God at work here in the years we've been on the radio? Well, we're very grateful, Larry, to be on the radio for so many years. You know, we're entering into our 20th year as a church here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we've been on the radio for, I, I want to say, 18 of those years. And, you know, at every turn... Um, just constantly getting the gospel out through radio uh, has developed so many friends, uh, so much response. God has used His Word to change so many lives. And you know, God's grace is allowing us to be on the air uh, and providing for all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus, adding radio stations all the time. I mean, it's so, it's so cool. Uh, and so thank you if you're listening for the first time. Thank you if you've just tuned in and, and the Lord is using our radio broadcast. These are the live, basically unedited uh, messages. So the way you hear them, except for them being cut into thirds or into halves, you know, um, there is some editing there. But like basically what you hear is what our church family hears. And if I make a mistake, then I make a mistake, or the delivery is what it is, because God uses His Word, not so much the delivery. And, and so whether you're on the East Coast of the United States, the Midwest, on the West Coast, whether you're listening in the morning or, or you know, deep into the morning, like 3 or 4 a.m., or in the evening, whatever time you're hearing, even on a podcast, 
you're listening to this on demand. Thank you for being a part of it. And just being able to serve you, I believe, is the grace of God and his goodness in our lives. So keep it up and continue to send in your notes. We want to hear how God is using this radio broadcast. We sure do. And let me give you that email address as we really do want to hear from you today. It's info at calvaryaurora.org. That's info at calvaryaurora.org. Here in the month of April, we've picked out an excellent book written by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Remember the old hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee? Maybe that's a desire of yours, but you're just not sure how to get there with God. Tozer sheds light on the path to a closer walk with God in The Pursuit of God. It can become a reality in your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Don't miss our next study in the Word next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.